Hi, I'm Allison Bukowski, and this is The Customer X-Files. I'm delighted to bring my years of experience supporting, building, and leading customer marketing and advocacy initiatives to the amazing community that supported me throughout my career. I've always been committed to moving CMA programs from transactional to engaging multidimensional experiences, and this podcast is no different. Each episode, I'm joined by an incredible thought leader within the customer marketing and advocacy space, generous enough to share insights, knowledge, and experience with all of us, the Customer X community. Brought to you by the PeerSpot Network, nothing is off limits. If it has to do with the customer experience, we want to talk about it. And just as our industry continues to evolve, so will this podcast. Several days after each session, we'll invite all of you to join in a live Q&A session with our guest. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Customer X-Files. I'm, of course, Allison Bukowski, but more importantly, today on this episode, I am joined by Kyle Yantis, the Associate Director of Customer Success for SLAP 5. And I'm super excited, actually, today to have somebody on the show that has made the leap from sales to customer marketing and advocacy, to customer success. We talk so much about how these areas are closely related. Um, and if we have a little time, hopefully Kyle can maybe share a little bit about that with us. So as I mentioned, most of Kyle's career um, has been in sales roles, but a few years ago, about 2018, he made the leap over to customer marketing. And for the past five years has gone from being a reference manager to running advocacy programs. And now he joined me on some people joke, the dark side, over on the vendor side, but as a trusted program advisor um, to the customers of SLAP5. And Kyle, has he's always working on something related to technology. He's working towards his Salesforce admin certification right now, um, enjoying the transition into the CSM role. So it's not surprising he's here today and he's interested in this topic of, of science and the intersection with storytelling. So I've known Kyle, for, oh, I don't know, Kyle, maybe three years or so now. Um, and you are truly one of the calmest and kindest people I've, I've ever met in our industry. And you're, even though you're quiet, whenever you decide to open your mouth and speak, it is always thought provoking, extremely intelligent. And you have this dry sense of humor that I love. So I'm excited to have you. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. So really delighted to join you here and appreciate the invite. Oh, of course. Happy, happy to have you. I know we have been talking about it for a while, but it's been a little, you know, chaotic uh, over the past several months. And it's, it's also just been, it's been tough too. At the same time, um, the last couple of guests that have been on the show, we we've talked a little bit about this in different ways, but, you know, budgets and resources um, have diminished, uh, our workloads are, are increasing. There's a lot of transformation even within the different roles, right? I, I would imagine customer success, marketing, um, there's, we're asked to do more with less. And so we don't really have to debate, uh, even though we're gonna talk about metrics today, they're absolutely essential. Um, definitely for the world of customer marketing, you know, they showcase ROI and it really doesn't matter what area of marketing you're sitting in. Um, this is what we're here to talk about. 
um, today, this kind of intersection of, of science and storytelling. But in a second, because you won't get, you're not off the hook, just like everybody else. Um, I big believer of, you know, we're people before we're professionals. So icebreaker question for you today, if we're going to talk about storytelling, um, I would really love to hear about what is your favorite book, both from childhood and then maybe also from adulthood and why? That's a good question. Funny enough, actually, I, I haven't been a big reader for most of my life. Probably it wasn't until after college uh, that I really started reading. So if it's childhood, the best book was not a book. Being outside, doing something crazy um, was my happy place. But in adulthood, um, a book called Sapiens by uh, Yuval Noah Hari uh, has been really impactful. It sort of feeds back into my formal education in sociology, but it it's a book that touches on the fact that humans and our belief in stories makes us unique in the universe and certainly unique as a species on this planet. And it talks about how the various norms, folk ways, mores, taboos, and laws have shaped our species throughout the millennia and really created the foundation for the societies that we operate in today. Um, and that, of course, echoes into the business world as well. Um, you know, you can go back to the beginning of, of civilization and bartering and everything, right? It's all about who do you trust? Um, do you trust the source of the thing that you're buying from, the, the person you're uh, taking it from, and those who support that product as well? So I think it's, um, it's, it's you know, you're a pr practitioner in customer marketing definitely recommend uh picking that book up it's the good back to basics i i didn't know that so is that what um your secondary education is in sociology that's where you focused correct yeah that that's so fascinating and actually quite frankly it explains a lot about you <laughs> um and in a and i mean that in a good way i'm i have a minor actually in in sociology and it's something that I'm also equally interested in, and I think that the art, right, and I think we can call it an art of storytelling, um, is a big part of how things came, you know, to be today, and we could sit and have a philosophical discussion about it, but I, lo I love that you mentioned trust, um, and you talked about, like, societies and bartering. I, I still remember in fourth grade, we, we were learning about that, like, the, you know, different economic systems and bartering was was one of the first ones and we we got to do that like we had to bring in you know like stickers candy or whatever um and everyone had their own little storefront and you would you would barter and i still remember to this day um there was something that this uh this was a kid named scott and he had something and i wanted it but i didn't trust scott not one bit and that deal did not happen which i i think is kind of an interesting segue right um i know you were going to talk about like you know, metrics and processes and stuff like that. But would you agree like trust is still really at kind of the heart of what we do as customer marketers? Well, not only is it at the heart of what we do as customer marketers, that's actually the the true value we bring to the organizations we work in today. Um, I think some of the largest trends, if you look at macro environment, we're seeing um, millennials and and 
Gen Z come into decision-maker roles within companies. And these are individuals that grew up in the age of computers, but more importantly, grew up in the age of social media. This sort of um, overly polished lens where uh, not only people as individuals get to project their ideal image, but so do companies um, through statistics, through case studies, whatever it may be, they get to project what they want everybody else to see. And this, these generations are extremely adept at filtering out what is FUD, right? What is truth? And I think the storytelling, the, the amount of background and context that a true story provides beyond just numbers, that is what builds out a level of trust that these generations um, require now in their con consumption model. And so customer marketing is sort of helping to uh, redefine that storytelling and make sure that that trust is the cornerstone. I, I love it. That was actually as a question on a recent Forrester survey, uh, one question of many about trust and would you be a repeat customer um, if you had trust, but maybe there were some missteps with with the product, et cetera. So, uh, but I'll veer us back um, to the to the topic at hand. I knew this would be a winding road episode, and I and I love that. So, ever since I met you, I've I will admit I have kind of branded you like the data wizard, and and I mean that in a very complimentary way because you're you're always looking at things. Um, in, in a very unique, and I don't think a lot of people can do it, right? Um, looking at it from the very human element, but then thinking about, yeah, but how am I gonna measure that? Um, and it, it's you that told me that, you know, with that measurement um, comes discipline in things like operations and governance and organizational impact. So back to what I, we were talking about earlier, it's so important right now when a lot of us, you know, people might be wondering, you know, okay, great. Um, you know, we can talk about tools and technology, but, but how will I, you know, afford those right now? That might not be happening, but it's still worth the effort of doing the work, right? And um, getting that buy-in internally so that when the purse strings loosen and you have an opportunity to ask for resources, you're, you're positioned. Um, and that was, you know, you had shared that with me. I was like, yep, that's exactly it. So let's start out then with um, maybe the elephant in the room. Marketing right now, like what's going on and what's specifically in customer marketing? It's a really strange time. And then we can kind of dive into the specifics. Yeah, so I think um, we're all seeing the tightening of, of belts and budget, and that has fallout in different areas of organizations. Are they divesting in their investment in people and teams? Are they divesting technology, basically all in the hopes of padding profits and, and going back to these dangerous trends from the 60s? I'll, I can unpack that for hours, but um, I think what we're seeing in marketing is an increased focus in trying to understand the ROI of every little spend. So, you know, if you take the number of hours uh, a staff member or number of teams put into putting together a case study or a video, um, 
you need to be able to capture the impact of that video on your sales cycle. Are you getting more people into your leads funnel because of that? Are you closing faster? Are you directly influencing opportunities? Um, I think marketing over the years has gotten away with nebulous statistics like number of views or impact or um, push to the website, right? But I think this intersection of technology with data lakes um, where we can take a source code or, or information snippet from anywhere and bring it into this data lake that allows us to um, sort of cross-pollinate systems in ways we couldn't before. The the sort of excuse of not understanding your true dollar impact in marketing is, is eroding quickly. Um, and so I think the trend is what's the ROI? And if you can't come up with that ROI, then you're uh, you're on the chopping block. <laughs> That's tell it like it is that it, that is pretty much exactly what is going on right now. And you you had mentioned you know earlier. I mean, I think we kind of have a sense for you know what makes you so passionate about um, storytelling. What is it about this intersection of science and you know? I, I was an English major, uh, so alliteration, hence science to storytelling, is really why I picked it. But what I mean by that is the the data, the data from the science piece of it. What is it about that that gets you so excited? I think um, for me, there's there's beauty in numbers, right? We can all look at a number, understand it quickly. So no matter what our background is, I think a lot of us work for for global companies. So it crosses language boundaries. Um, so data is really compelling in, in that way. But on its own, it can be quite empty. And so storytelling helps flesh out the, the how and the why and other things around it. Um, where I think there's a strong connection between science and storytelling and customer marketing and sort of processes is again, harking back to sociology, everything can be tied back to a decision or a lack of a decision. And I think even the lack of a decision, sort of the dark matter of our social webs, probably like the rest of the universe makes up the majority of it, lack of deciding to modernize or move away from current processes. Um, that's the bulk of these systems that we operate in. And I think it's interesting to unpack because once you recognize that indecision is actually the bulk of the matter then you can begin to figure out and pull the common threads of why are we frozen in our current ways um, how do we break down silos within our organizations how do we honor centers of excellence and the various trust portions in a customer journey and advocate journey that those centers of excellence are responsible for, it's all it's all tied. And that's all based on decisions, ones and zeros of social nets. I I love that. Um also because it it aligns, you know, I've I've always tried to emphasize that, you know, nothing is something or actually there's a lot of substance in absence, which is which is what you're saying. You said it much more eloquently 
um, that it's it's the what you don't have that actually is oftentimes a larger driving force. And I think that, you know, to just sort of expand upon what, what you were saying, um, that's where I think this whole, right now, the marketing, you know, the landscape is, well, there, there, there is an absence of the, the ROI, the metrics, the data, uh, things like that. So how do, there's a lot of questions that I wanna ask around this, but, but what do you think are some of the common pitfalls, you know, for, for marketers? I'm, and I, and I think I can use that term marketers. I mean, yes, we're talking a lot about customer marketing, but um, as I've stepped into to my new role and I'm looking at the larger marketing landscape, uh, I think this is true of everyone that we can step into some of these pitfalls. What are some that, that you've seen um, especially recently, but you know, even in the past, uh, what do you see and how might we be able to overcome or address some of these pitfalls? Yeah, I think for me, it's all about your support network. In, in anything we do, the support network around you is, is critical. And for marketing over the years, I think uh, the average trend is a CMO tenure is like, what, three years? five years so. within companies huge huge numbers of turnaround and and they all have the same playbook right come in rebrand refresh launch a new website change up social media and and maybe they have a little they get to see a little bit of that impact before there's there's churn at that level and i think that historical con context is is very necessary because it erodes at the foundation of trust because if you don't have long-term leadership, there's there's a lack of accountability or seeming cultural lack of accountability. And so I think if if you are a, a customer marketer or a marketer in general, you're trying to run a program that um, requires a lot of interoperability. I would say make sure you get executive alignment and even better a direct executive sponsor of your program outside of marketing. Um, you know, I think chief product officers or chief customer officers are great, great allies. Um, and they, it should be at the C-level ideally because um, if you're going to run a strategy and run a program at its highest level, you're also going to need sort of a governance committee. Uh, almost an internal client advisory board or, or SWAT team, insert label here, whatever you want to call it. But um, in order for that governance committee to exist in a, in a way that requires accountability, you need sort of that executive level buy-in. So um, yeah, start with executive sponsorship. I like that. And and you said specifically outside of your outside of marketing. And you you mentioned a couple of them. If if you don't mind, um, you know, maybe we can tag team on this. So uh, I chief customer officer um, had one of those in my corner before. It's huge, um, huge, because, you know, when you're looking at that role, that is over all things 
customer. And I, and I love that. And I think we're seeing that model more and more, um, not just leading customers, but it's customer success, it's customer support, it's the tickets coming in, it's the operations that go behind it. Um, you know, even I've talked about how as an advocacy professional, that was my favorite place to sit was in that part of the organization. I'd like, so so there's some reasons for that, why that one really matters and why that champion is important. You mentioned um, a chief product officer. Just expand on that a little bit and why that one's such a winning partnership. Sure. So for one, I mean, I want to make sure that um, I'm sort of eliminating a lot of bias in our field. Right now, customer marketing is is largely in sort of SaaS and technology spaces. But I think the practice has capabilities and applications. You know, if you're building welders and selling them on Amazon, I think you can still use customer marketing to capture video content or whatever of your end user's experience and use that to boost sales. So I think every company under the sun has a chief product officer or parallel level title position. Um, so point one. Point two is no matter the support network around your customer, if your product is bad and you don't have good experiences, you don't have good stories to tell. I think the buck starts and stops with product. So um, making sure you align with the person who is in charge of, of that is critical. Um, not only to get an understanding of the customer journey and aligning your advocate journey to the customer journey, but also looking at what's the product roadmap? Um, how do we get our clients involved in guiding that roadmap in, in future product design and iteration? Or, um, you know, maybe uh, you're, you're going to expand into a new territory, a new industry. Well, your chief product officer needs to understand that client journey in that new space. Um, and so bringing in early adopters and clients to help build out the enablement and support around the product to ensure success of that initiative. It's all, it's all critical. I like that. And, and if we have some time at the end, I, I would like to circle back to that topic of, of customer journey and go into that in a little more detail. So this is really good advice um, on avoiding some of those, those pitfalls. What about on the other side of things? Um, you know, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. What about some positive trends that that you've seen? And you're in a very unique position now, you know, working like myself, getting to work with a lot of um, customers in this space, in the marketing space. Um, so what do you see that, that we're getting right? I think uh, alignment with customer success is starting to become uh, well fleshed out and built out. Um, we're seeing uh, teams that are being asked to do more with less on both sides of the equation, customer success and marketing. And that um, sort of pressure cooker, as it were, um, gives people sort of an, an alignment where they can say, okay, we, we really could be in trouble here unless we figure out a way to do things uh, more efficiently um, and with that, I think there's a quick focus on governance, um, on operations, on breaking down silos, because 
each each center of excellence within a company understands a portion of the customer journey and the advocate journey. And I think the more you can break down those silos and make things as transparent as possible, um, the ability of a marketer to uncover a piece of client evidence and, and to, to bring in customer-led growth throughout the company becomes much straightforward. It's more straightforward. It's much easier um, because you no longer have that veil to fight through. You don't have sort of that guarding of ownership of the client base. If you can sort of break things down and say, hey, we're all in this together. We're in the same boat. Um, we all have very similar metrics of, of, you know, profits to support or go gain. I think customer success is now getting tied into renewals. So renewals dollars equals um, a, a focus on the client journey to make sure they're enabled. Um, and I think that focus also happens earlier in the client journey too, which creates a slingshot moment for your advocate journey maps. So yeah, like I said, all connected. Yep. And, and that'll, when we come back to customer journey map um, versus buyer journey versus advocate journey, that's an area that I'm, I'm having some fun unpacking right now, but let's, let's, let's actually take this, um, Let's get into the weeds a little bit, which I, I know that I love that you're more than capable of doing. So let's do that. Cause I know listeners sometimes, you know, you hear the high level stuff um, and you want to know, okay, but, but now what? So three, there's three specific areas that you you've mentioned to me in the past and let's take a deeper dive on some of those and talk specifically about how this concept of, of science and storytelling you know, crashing into one another so that we can apply some measurement as well as some strategy. And let's um, let's just start with ops. So from an operational perspective, and you've touched on some of this already, what, how do we get started and how do we start making, you know, progress in this particular area? So I think it starts with understanding who owns what portion of which journey you're sort of unpacking. So um, for today, let's let's focus on the advocate journey. Um, I've spent years building out RACI models and PACSI models to understand what are the various teams and stakeholders that are involved with making a, a customer marketing program happen? Um, what are the various projects that those teams create together? Um, what are the service level agreements required? And I think, honestly, it's, we're sort of back to basics where there's a lot of companies that are just in, in the water treading. They're trying to keep afloat. They're trying to churn out customer evidence, um, at least within customer marketing, right? It's very tactical quick, I need a reference for a contract that's closing in a week. Quick, there's a, an event coming up in three weeks and I need a customer speaker. Well, unless you sit down and you map out, okay, an event speaker takes nine weeks to happen. So field marketing, I actually need your event calendar like 
a quarter ago if you're trying to ask me for stuff this quarter. Um, and, and creating that level of accountability where the customer marketer isn't being squeezed by the company and being asked to sort of wave a magic wand and make something impossible happen. Because at the end of the day, what are you doing? You're asking a customer to do something on your behalf. And there are some crazy, amazing companies out there. But at the end of the day, somebody's giving away their time and effort and energy for free. And at what point do you introduce burnout? So to be, to flip the script from reactive to proactive, you need that basic level operations exercise of mapping out who does what, what are your service level agreements? And then that'll also give you the capability to start to say no. And I think when we talk about the macro environment of trying to do more with less, no should be your favorite word. I just said the other day that we all need to get a little bit more in touch with our inner toddler. And in fact, I think it might've been on the slap five uh, webinar that you had uh, with, uh, with Nick Mehta, which was, which was wonderful. Um, but we need to get in touch with that ability to say no. That's what I meant by it. Um, it's not, it's okay to say no. Um, I spend a lot of time talking to marketers that are new in their career or you know they've transitioned into another area of marketing and there is a fear of, of saying no especially right now and in an environment like this um, but I always encourage to your point flip the script a little bit on that and saying no but saying no for the right reasons right or creating those SLAs so that it's understood you know hey I'm doing more with less so my answer is no unless we're going to reprioritize, you know, something else. And those, sometimes people will look at me like I have three heads when I say you should have an SLA for everything. Speaker requests to the example you just used, reference requests. Um, and if nothing else, if, if it's not a matter of even though your, your colleagues should be respecting your time, respect the customer's time. If you have to put it back on the right party, it would be the customer. And I think people are sometimes... I don't know if you agree, Kyle, but it's an opportunity for internal education as well about what what we're doing in our role and why that much time is needed. You brought up a great example of a speaker for an event. It is not as simple as flipping an email off to a customer and just saying like, hey, um, in three days, there's this. Could you hop on at, you know, one Eastern and do a talk? And, you know, by the way, could you speak to these new product features and enhancements? Um, there, there's a timeline in prep work that go, go into that. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you agree? Is it a good opportunity as well for internal education of stakeholders? Certainly, yeah. I think when you can help refocus back on the customer and, and start to have your company actually build the muscle of being customer first, I think it's the easiest thing to say, but actually one of the hardest things to do in business because oftentimes when you do put the customer first at the heart of everything you're doing, it, it goes, it flies against what the majority of 
Western capitalist companies are aiming for, which is top profit margins, um, you know, making sure that you're running as lean as possible, maximum efficiency, whatever it might be. But if you then put the lens into a customer first basis, you might actually be limiting your profits because you're going to invest more heavily in engagement, activation, customer communities, whatever it may be. Um, you're going to start to, you know, bloat that operations budget a little bit in the hopes that in the long term, you're going to see a strong return on that investment. And I think the long-term picture, that's that change in focus that I think customer marketing as a macro scale is making happen. That change of, let's not think about a quarter out, a year out. Let's think five years out, three years out. Um, and for operations and, and client marketing, um, that's that's an important distinction and a, a big piece of the ed internal education cycle that yep. that they should be doing. Yep, agree wholeheartedly. But it's it's the long play, and I would argue that's the more strategic play. Um, and that's usually it, it takes time to implement something like that. So, so what about um, from a governance perspective? You know, we talked about internal champions and, you know, building out, you, you mentioned it, but we didn't dig into it. Um, I'm a big fan of an internal cab, I think is what you called it, but having your governance committee, you know, let's talk about that. Um, how does that specifically, you know, help and how can you, you know, apply some measurement and metrics to that? Yeah, so I think it starts with understanding what is everybody being held against? What's what's got their feet to the fire? Um, what are their big rocks? And honestly, how do they get paid? Um, there are companies pay out bonuses for certain levels of achievement. In CS, are, the, are you getting paid on uh, maybe a new feature adoption? Are you just getting paid on renewals? for sales um not only are they going to be commission based but also there's going to be um different initiatives thrown their way maybe to increase product adoption on something else so there's an additional bonus on top of that starting with i think where people get paid is kind of an easy win quick win for customer marketers because um when you talk about that base level of incentive, you then are able to create a flywheel motion. Um, let's talk specifically about sales. Um, let's give an example of you're launching into a new territory with a new product. So this product has a 3x board value. So then a sales rep is able to hit their annual number just that much faster by closing a product. Well. As a customer marketer, what do you want? You just want sales to be engaged with your program and operating through the technologies and workflows that you've built. So that way you can track the impact of your program on their opportunities. You can do that easily and quickly by saying, going to a sales rep who recently closed that deal, got 3X board credit, and maybe you know spent that money on 
buying their kid a, a used car and they're learning to drive, connect back to storytelling, even internally, get meta with it and um, reinforce your governance with these wins to say, hey, if you follow the playbooks, we're going to help you get your number in sales, which then if sales is doing their job right and they're they're selling to individuals and companies within your ideal customer profile, that's going to make customer success's job that much easier when it gets to renewal time frame. Customer success during renewals time frame also might be asking you for references. So then you all you need to keep that internal meta flywheel of, hey, Mr. CSM, Mrs. CSM, you used me for a reference on this renewal. How'd that go? What best practice did we reinforce? Um, you know, just connecting it back to your own internal people and internal storytelling um, is a good foundation for governance. Uh, I like that. I like to tie back to storytelling and I actually jotted down on my notebook, uh, get meta with it, which I think should be on a t-shirt. I'm pretty sure that uh, I'll have to reach out, tell, tell Captivate that they need to create a new, a new t-shirt and, and everything you're saying, but you, like you always do, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, goals and finding out what are the goals of your internal stakeholders. And that's what you're saying, but how do you get paid? Like, let's just cut to the chase. Um, that's going to resonate and figure that out. And I think that one thing that I'll, that I'll add, which is, is a, like a bonus for those of us that are, you know, trying to execute on a program and trying to prioritize how to support our stakeholders by going through this exercise, everything Kyle that you, you just described helps focus your program. It helps you make decisions on where should your energy be spent. And if you're being asked to do something that doesn't seem to align with those goals of your internal, internal stakeholders, you can go back and lean on it. Um, I do that all the time to be able to say, there's only one of me, there's only one of my team. So this is how we're going to support you CS because this is most important. This is how we're gonna support you sales, et cetera. So it, it can also help, um, help us, um, I think preserve sanity by leveraging that same, same approach. What about, um, this is everyone's favorite, favorite topic, uh, the silos, the barriers, um, the organizational roadblocks, pick whichever term you, you want to use, but it's those relationships that, you know, we pride ourselves as marketers on, you know, building strong relationships. What happens when, when they're not? they're not strong or how can we kind of apply these tactics we've been discussing to that particular challenge? Sure. So to help this, um, I've actually taken a lot of my charts and, and racy documents and I've, at least for the advocate journey, mapped out um, what are the centers of excellence that need to be involved in a customer marketing program? Um, what is their role and what are the various projects and sort of pieces of execution that a customer marketing program does to achieve customer-led growth? Um, it's 
probably taken about three years worth of work um, and, and experience to map out. But I, the roadmap that I'll, I'll launch on LinkedIn and, and various community channels, it's intended to be a, a starting block. And the reason why I keep going back to, to mapping exercises is I think too many companies don't understand um, who owns the relationship with a customer at any point in time. Doesn't matter what you're selling. I think if you're in Salesforce, HubSpot, insert CRM here, there are very few companies who can look at an account and answer the question, who is on first base with this person? And by making it an organizational problem, an operations problem, you can then sort of eliminate some of those cultural barriers, the, those natural protective instincts that different centers of excellence have built out over the years um, to say, hey, this is in our best interest for everybody to participate in this program, um, to voice what they're learning from their clients, voice their challenges. Um, and by sort of being a little cold about it, I think that's sort of some, kind of the, the science of it, the data, right? Be be a little cold about it and and say, this is for everybody's good to map out who is on first base, not necessarily from an accountability standpoint or, you know, pointing fingers. I think that's what everybody goes to is pointing fingers. Oh, something's wrong with the customer. Who do we who do we go and get? No, it's about who do we go and support? And customer marketers can help make that change. Um, I think that's a very powerful way to um, be tactical in a way that supports the um, overall strategy and the larger evolution of a company. I, I'm I'm chuckling. Um, one, because I, I don't have any more space in the notebook for what I'm just going to call Kyle-isms that should go on, on t-shirts. And I, I always say that, um, there at Pure Spot, Yehuda, and if he listens to this, he knows, I call him the Yoda of sales. Um, I'm going to have to call you the Yoda of, although now you're in CS, but maybe I can just, of all things like, uh, can I still call you the Yoda of, of customer marketing? Is that Okay. That works. Yeah. I'll have to work on his grammar structure, but yeah, I'll get yeah, there. We'll, we'll do that on the next episode. We'll, we'll have you, we'll put you to the test, but I was also sitting here um, chuckling when you're talking about, you know, be, be cold. And I think two things, one that you said, it is not, you know, this is not how we look at pointing fingers and, and placing blame. And I think back to where we started, we started talking about right now, the landscape of marketing this is not a marketing problem, although it becomes a marketing problem more often than not. This is an organizational problem. If um, renewals are down, if sales are not up, it is not the typical marketing didn't bring enough leads. Marketing didn't deliver enough stories. That's what happens every time. And I can get a little fired up about this because I've seen it time and time again. 
in my career. And unfortunately, um, these things, everything you're talking about, this stuff's not in place. So it's difficult to be able to stand up. And when you said be, be cold, that's the science, definitely made me smile because um, I like the analogy. But I think we, and I'll use a personal example of this. Um, you know, in one of my first roles within customer advocacy, I took so much flack about, well, you just have the fun job. It wouldn't it be nice to get paid to take customers to dinner all the time? That's that's what you what you do. It's the warm and the fuzzy and the relationships. And don't get me wrong, that's my favorite part. And it's never going to stop being my favorite part until we were in a meeting and I hauled out some metrics and I brought out some examples of sales not following the process and the SLAs that we had in place which is why they didn't get references for an RFP. And in one case, someone went around it and ended up calling a, calling a reference from the little black book and the person didn't work at the company anymore. And it, it ended up blowing up the deal. And there was shock, um, the faces in that meeting that here I was the warm and fuzzy relationship person delivering some actual numbers and being a bit, I cold is one way, I guess, uh, to describe it, so that they could understand that there is an impact. So I use that story just to say, be cold. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not a relationship's first person. It's just sometimes where you have to go. And I think that that's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what you're also saying, Kyle, that it, you, ha you have to do both. A hundred percent. I think any customer marketer who has been in a practice for six months, even uh, they, we all have war stories of somebody doing exactly what you mentioned. They go around your process. They ask the wrong person at the wrong time. It blows up in their face. I think, you know, we've all seen mega deals where the CEO is on the email feed and, and things go wrong at the last minute, because for some reason sales has it in their head that uh, reference is going to save everything. Uh, we all have those war stories and um coming back to it and keeping people honest and accountable and being able to protect yourself and your program and say nope this is not the procedures that we have in place this is not the operations or governance they went around me having that level of accountability is very important um and i think the more you keep people or even entire sections of your companies in check with that level of honesty, the more respect um, and solidity you get around your program. That took the word right out of my mouth. That's how you build build respect. It's not building an adversarial relationship. It's, it's building a respectful relationship. Um, and I'm super excited. Uh, I know you told me about the, the roadmap tool to be able to to see that and you know help you promote that amazing work um, just so everybody knows it's, it's coming and I've had a sneak peek and it's it's amazing so it's going to be hugely helpful to those of us out there that are trying to tackle a number of these things that we were talking about today um, one question last question Kyle and I I asked a flavor of this question to everyone on the show, but I'm hoping that you can put a specific spin on it for me. So you've you've been in sales, you've been in customer marketing and advocacy. Now you're sitting in customer success. Um, what what advice 
the best piece of advice you would give to to this community, but maybe you can kind of put a spin on it as far as um, you know that interconnected connectedness is that a word with these these roles and you know working together with the different partners what advice would you give get good at wearing other people's shoes and so by that i mean people wear different types of shoes so you have to understand how to lace them up how are they built how do they feel and what terrain are they built to tackle um, so if you're going to be a really good customer marketer, read all you can read, check out blogs, check out podcasts, um, and make sure you subscribe to, um, you know, various influencers in the centers of excellence that you operate with sales, customer success, marketing in general, field marketing, um, especially sort of your squeaky wheels, those who are coming to you with the most need, start with that. Um, but yeah, just try to learn where people are coming from because um, customer marketing sits at an interesting intersection in the companies we operate in and it's fairly high stakes. People get pretty passionate. Um, and so being able to take things with a grain of salt and having that extra level of understanding and patience is, is just critical. So that way you can empathize, you can step back, take a breath and, and come back to the table with the right suggestion on how to move forward. Perfect, perfect advice. And if, and if you don't mind, I, I love mixing metaphors and analogies and keeping with a theme here, but can I, can I take that um, and bring it back to our story theme? If you don't mind, I'm gonna take a crack at it. So this whole concept of walking in another person's shoes and, and compassion, I worked at a company that that was their definition of compassion, um, but we're talking about stories and that intersection my daughter just this week had to uh, write a paper based on To Kill a Mockingbird, which happens to be one of my, fav my favorite novels of all time. I have a daughter named Harper, and there's a reason for that. But Atticus Finch in that book um, says, you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb inside his skin and walk around in it. So that's my literary connection for you, Kyle, on everything that, that you just said and we've been talking about today. Get to know your partners, be compassionate, walk in their shoes, um, you know, slip inside their skin, whatever you want, want to use, and then measure it. Better be damn sure that you can measure it and put some discipline around it. Uh, this has been such a good conversation. Any final parting? words of, of wisdom from you, Kyle. There were so many today, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, just keep your eye on the long game. I think uh, a lot of the, the metrics that we're being held accountable to are very short game focused. Um, so, so do your best to sort of push against that, use your executive sponsors to get alignment and sort of business reasons behind uh, extending your program's runway uh, to profitability. Um, but 
I think, yeah, focus on the long game is is where we all need to be right now in the overall uh, picture of customer marketing. Great. Thank you again so much. And for those of you who have been listeners and you're familiar with Peer Perspectives, where we do our live Q&A, um, I've decided to kick that up a notch. So if you have questions for Kyle um, or, you know, Anna was on a couple episodes ago talking about tools and technology. Valeria was here talking about grassroots advocacy and they all, I decided, played off of each other. So we're going to we're going to move into the new the new frontier of peer panels and have three amazing um, professionals on to field questions, et cetera. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the next episode. Um, you know, find me, of course, on LinkedIn. I'm sure Kyle would offer the same to everyone if you'd like to connect. Uh, but until the next time, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Customer X-Files. Don't forget to follow me, Allison Bukowski, on LinkedIn, where you'll find information about our Peer Perspectives session, your chance to join the conversation live on each episode's topic, ask questions, and network with your peers. Customer X-Files is brought to you by PeerSpot. In a market full of hype, PeerSpot's buying intelligence platform is where tech pros go to get practical, reliable information on enterprise technology. You work too hard to build strong customer relationships. It's time to leverage those relationships in a way that maximizes value for your organization and minimizes customer effort. PeerSpot's approach to customer-driven content empowers customer marketers and advocacy professionals that strive to achieve the gold standard within their industry. For more information, check out marketing.peerspot.com. And to keep getting this show in your podcast feed every time a new episode drops, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.